congregation, let us turn to the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 15, on page 43. Lord's Day 15. Questions and answers 37 through 39. Well, does not understand thy words he suffered, that he all the time that he lived on earth, but especially at the end of his life, sustained in body and soul the wrath of God against the sins of all mankind. And so by his passion, as the only propitiatory of sacrifice, he might redeem our body and soul from everlasting damnation and obtain for us the favor of God, righteousness, and eternal life. 38. Why did he suffer under Pontius Pilate as judge? that he be innocent and yet condemned by a temple judge, might thereby free us from the severe judgment of God to which we are exposed. 39. Is there anything more in his being crucified than if he had died some other death? Yes, there is. For thereby I am assured that he took on him the curse which lay upon me, for the death of the cross was the curse of God. So far. The theme for tonight's congregation, Christ suffered under Pontius Pilate with the help of the Lord five thoughts. First, the depth of that suffering. Oh, how deep, oh, that deep about the depth the depth of his suffering. Secondly, the value of his suffering. It says that it's against the sins of all mankind. What well, the value is in there. In the third place, the purpose of him suffering. To obtain for us the favor of God, righteousness, and eternal life. In the fourth place, the innocence of him suffering. As you also can see in answer 38, that he being innocent and yet condemned by a temporal judge. In the fifth place, the crucifixion after his suffering. As you see in question and answer 39, Christ suffered under Pontius Pilate. In the first place, the depth of his suffering. Secondly, the value of his suffering. Three, the purpose of his suffering. Four, the innocence of him suffering. And five, the crucifixion after his suffering. Congregation, young friends, we have been created to live. We have been made by the Lord to enjoy life. And it was not the purpose of God to let us suffer. He made us in his own image. And he promised eternal life. If we would not eat of that forbidden tree. So in the beginning, in the state of rectitude, he called it. There was no suffering. 
They were truly happy without sin, without death, without suffering. We had God's favor. But our falling away from God, our rebellion had serious consequences. The Lord had said the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And not only die, but also suffer. So that's why there's pain. A pain? Mourning. It's the mourning family among us. Confusion. Dementia. Movement disorders. Cancer. Heart failure. So much more. How consequence of sin that we don't always see that way. We sometimes see it as fate. It's something that happens. We don't see always the connection with that we have rebelled against the Lord. This world is in huge pain, and the Apostle Paul compares it to delivering a baby, to the pangs of delivering a child. And that is in intense pain, right? But also has a purpose that a child is born. And so the Apostle Paul says that this, that this world is suffering in a huge pain, but the, the, the future is that a new world will be born. And not only they, but ourselves also, which are the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. For we know that the whole creation groaneth, and travaileth in pain together until now. So that is why our catechism speaks about his passion. That so by his passion as the only propitiatory sacrifice, passion. Passion in the old sense. Passion in the sense of paschal. Pascal means suffering. Today, passion is also used for having a passion for food, having a passion for something else, passion for a certain job, a zeal, a strong feeling. No, in our catechism, passion is the says passion weeks, passion Sundays. They're about the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is used also in Acts 1. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So after his passion, he rose from the dead. It was passion. Today we deal with the passion of Christ. That is something else. That is a hellish suffering. A suffering so deep that we cannot describe it. Christ needed a divine nature to be able to absorb the wrath in his human nature. Anselm said, and it makes sense to me. What a depth of suffering. 
Apparently the suffering and death of Christ is in the Bible a major issue. If you read throughout the whole Bible about sacrifices and blood and death. John writes many chapters on the suffering of the Lord Jesus. The letter to the Hebrews is mainly about the sacrifices that are pointing to the one and only sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. And Christ took a human nature, right, to save humans. But he also took a human nature to be able to suffer and die. Without the human nature, he could not possibly do anything for people. He had to enter into the human nature. The Lord Jesus came down from heaven to assume the human nature. He was giving up the joy in heaven. Think about uh, why. What did the Lord Jesus desire? Well, it says in Hebrews 12, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith, who, not comes, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. And after that, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So let's go, let's go back to the text. He endured the cross. He endured it. He let it happen. He did not resist it. He endured the cross. He despised the shame. In spite of the shame, he still continued. Why? That joy set before him. The Father showed him the joy and said, Look at the joy. Are thou willing to do it for the joy? And the Lord Jesus said, so to speak, yes. For that joy, I do anything. For the joy of having my bride. For the joy of having my church. For the salvation of my people. I am willing to suffer. That is my joy. The joy is set before me. So the Lord Jesus did not only suffer for his father's sake, also his own sake, and for his people's sake. Christ was surrounded by angels, and he became a man of no reputation, became a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, rejected by men, rejected by mankind, rejected by his own people, Israel. He came to his own. His own received him not. His suffering is quite diverse. He was tempted by the devil. For sure he suffered in the body. He suffered in his human soul. Yes, a human soul. Not a divine soul. A human soul. Because he was willing to save human souls. So he needed a human soul. You say, but was his soul not divine? Not at all. He had the divine nature and the human nature. But in the human nature is the human body and the human soul. And he suffered in both. He was betrayed and mocked and ridiculed and felt forsaken 
I was thirsty, as you have seen this morning. Nothing can possibly capture his suffering in pictures or in words. It's beyond our comprehension. What a bitter anguish and forsaking. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. The Bible speaks about cutting him off, especially in Isaiah 53. We find a whole row of rich words indicating his suffering. When you hear them, I don't quote the text, only the words. No comeliness, no beauty, despised, rejected, not esteemed. He carried sorrows. He was stricken. He was smitten of God. He was afflicted. He was wounded. He was bruised. He was chastised. He had stripes. He was oppressed. He was put to grief. He was numbered with the transgressors. So much in one chapter. That's that's key in the Bible. The suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ in order to give reconciliation to his people. Not only to give peace and to make it well, but to pay the price. Oh, that need was so great. Without the shedding of that blood was no forgiveness. Because of God's indignation. We are consumed by his anger. It's in Psalm 90, right? What a psalm is that, Psalm 90? Consumed by his anger, the anger of God, the wrath of God is mentioned many times in Psalm 90. And it speaks about how serious the Lord takes sin, that he must punish it, that he cannot just ignore it. A deep sacrifice, a deep suffering. Let's go to the second thought, the value of his suffering. It speaks about a propitiatory sacrifice, see that? Propitiatory, propitiatory. You know what it is? I looked it up and I have a few synonyms for you that help a little bit. It is placatory. You see, you say, what is that? It is conciliatory. It is pacifying. Let me use the most simple one in the raw. Calming. Calming. You calm someone down. You appease someone. You make someone happy. You pay for someone. Maybe you just agree with someone that there's a solution that's a peace saying that is propitiatory, that is a sacrifice that suffices, a sacrifice that was accepted, a sacrifice that did work. You may remember the message in the epistle to the Hebrews. Children, you have the Day of Atonement, that the high priest entered into the most holy place only once a year. And every year again, he had to go back and sacrifice for himself again 
And after that, for the people, the sacrifice thing was very repetitive. Always the same, over and over again. Every year. As if it didn't work. As if it was futile. Children could have asked, Dad, Mom, why do they do that again? They did it last year also, David told me. And now again, is it not helping? Is it not working? Well, the answer is in Hebrews 9. The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while the first tabernacle was yet standing. So the high priest went into the temple, the tabernacle made with hands, and he gave the blood of animals. Indeed, it did not work. It only pointed to the future. It pointed to the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that would be a most perfect sacrifice. And if that sacrifice is sacrificed, then all sacrifices are redundant. No sacrifices are necessary anymore. Then it's all done. It's all forgiven. Then it's all paid for. He sustained in body and soul the wrath against the sin of all mankind. Of all mankind. Think about that. The value of it. Could you make the equation? Think of all people that have ever lived. All the names. Think of all the sins they all committed throughout their whole life, continually. Wicked. And all are. And the Lord Jesus had to pay the price for the sin, for the wrath, the wrath of God against the sins of all mankind. That's such a huge amount, sufficient for the expiation of sins of the entire world, the cancer Lord say. So this sufficient, not efficacious to all, sufficient to all, not meant for all, but yet possible for all. The Lord Jesus, he paid that huge price. And therefore don't, we don't say to people on the street, when we evangelize, Christ died for you. You don't say that. They may say, oh, oh, nice, thank you. I like that. No. But we speak about sin, and we speak the gospel, and we say that is. We preach you a crucified Savior. There's salvation in him. And there's plenty in him. See this subtle difference? We don't say that Christ died for you. We preach a crucified Savior to you. Because it is sufficient. It is the propitiatory sacrifice sufficient and sustained in body and soul to carry away the wrath of God against sin. And coming back to that example of 
the sacrifice being repetitive, always coming back every, every year, or in fact every day. The letter to the Hebrews has a huge emphasis on a small word. You may have discovered that. You may want to think about it today, this week. The word once. I mean, only once. Not twice. Not three times. Not one hundred times. Only once. That's the word. That's the key word in Hebrews. Once. who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice first for his own sins and then for the peoples, for this he did once. When he offered up himself, Lord Jesus said, I will do it on one time. And that should do it. That is enough. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And he will stand by the which will be are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Once. Do you have a desire for a second sacrifice? You say it is not enough. Christ needs need to pay more. Christ fails to save you. Do you dare to think that? Do you dare to say that? Do you dare to act like that? Let me ex- use an example for the children. Of course, examples are always weak and are, have shortcomings. But here it is. Some people are so sick that they need medication a couple times a day for the rest of their life. It doesn't stop. If they stop, they will die. So now someone is under medication Every day, a couple of times. And then a pharmaceutical company finds out a medication, uh, a pill, an injection that is so powerful, you apply it and it's over. You don't have to use any medication anymore. You're, you're healed. Well, we would give a fortune for that, right? It's so important. Instead of everyday repetitive not only once. So in the Old Testament, the sacrifices happened all the time, all the time. Also on the Day of Atonement. Now the Lord Jesus died, and it's over. Nothing needs to be killed anymore. No blood needs to flow any longer. It is sufficient. It is the only propitiatory sacrifice have you seen that? Have you experienced that? Has it been applied by the Spirit? Is it not sweet to your palate? Do you understand what that means? That he paid the entire price? 
that you're not able to add anything, but you also should not even try. If God the Father is satisfied with the sacrifice, if God the Father says, let that veil of the temple rent from the top to the bottom, if he says that, what you going to say? The Father would say it is sufficient, and Christ would say it is finished. You would say, I don't know. Oh, how foolish is that? We need to seek that sacrifice and nothing else. This shows us the worth of the sacrifice. Christ bore the wrath of God against the sins of all mankind. And the sacrifice is abundantly sufficient, they cannot say. Abundantly sufficient for the expiation of the sin of all mankind. The suffering of Christ is the equivalent of the wrath of God against all sins of all people from creation until now. Or the value of it. So that's why we may preach Christ indiscriminately, or in other words, promiscuously, without any difference. We may preach it to all people, no matter what, no matter who they are, no matter how much sins they have sinned. So that's why Christ paid the price, the only propitiatory sacrifice. Are you content with it? Is it not offensive to state that there is not enough value in it? I will never say that you say. No, but is that how you act? How shall you escape if we neglect such great salvation? It's such a great salvation. It is so sufficient, so abundant. And then neglecting that? That is awful, isn't it? And that's what we do by nature. Abundantly. I have two more texts with the word abundantly in there. Isaiah 55, verse 7. Take it personal. Let the wicked forsake his way. Are you not wicked? We are. Let the wicked forsake his way. And the unrighteous man, his thoughts. And let them return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him. And to our God. For he will abundantly pardon. You know, we live in a confusing time. And young people, young friends, fall into sins people had no idea about years ago. About the amount of material they are exposed to. And there are many people in our churches, guilt-ridden, depressed, because of the addiction to sins. So let me address that. And say, let the wicked forsake his way. And the righteous man is heart, and let them return to the Lord, yes. 
the Lord wants you back. You, you, you say, me? Yes. He wants you back. He will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he, he will, he will abundantly pardon. This is his message to us today. And the other text about abundantly is from John 10. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. See, it is the value of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. He wants to give away, he wants to give so much abundantly. Third thought, the purpose of him suffering. What's the purpose? What do you think? We know why God has created the universe, right? To show his wisdom and his power. We know why God has chosen his church as well. Ephesians 1 verse 7, I believe. To the praise of the glory of his grace. He wants to be praised. For what? For his grace. Why? It is so glorious. The grace is so glorious. It's praiseworthy. To the praise of the glory of his grace. What is that grace then? Well, it is summarized by redeemed body and soul from everlasting damnation, obtain favor, righteousness, and eternal life. Redemption is a payment given to spare people. It's redeeming from destruction, a deliverance, a rescue. Rescued from what? From disease and unhappiness and loneliness and death and hell and Satan. It's all some truth to that. But they need to be rescued out of the hands of an angry God. God is so offended, so disappointed, so angry with sin. And they need a substitute for that. He is still on to suffer for us. There's such a gulf between us and God. But he is able to bridge that gap. Do you know that, the difference? Anyone here tonight experiencing the distance between God and him? You know, the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Maybe you say, as far as the east from the west, so far am I from God. But the Lord can bring you back again. Don't we need that? Don't we need a ransom for sin to satisfy God? <clears throat> to restore, to be restored, to be healed? The purpose is to obtain the favor of God. To let God's face shine. Don't be hungry for that. Having no desire for that. For God's mercy, for his favor. 
as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. But if, if that's not the case, there's still that huge distance. Brings to the fourth part. Why did, why did the Lord Jesus suffer under Pontius Pilate as a judge? What's the sense of the Bible stories about Pilate and Herod and the court case? Well, that he be innocent, see that is the thought, innocent, and yet condemned by a temporal judge, might thereby free us from the severe judgment of God to which we were exposed. So let us have a look at that. But the judges said about the Lord Jesus. Mark 14. And the chief priests in all the council sought for witness against Jesus to put him to death and found none. They did their best. They did understandably do the utmost to find witnesses, witnessing something bad about the Lord Jesus. And they just inquired everywhere, what did he say, what did he do? And they found none. For many bear false witness against him, but the witness agreed not together. So they had to also, we were honest, they needed an, a witness to also be to, to support another witness. So in the mouth of two witnesses, this thing would stand, and they couldn't find him. They agreed not. And there was certain and bear false witness against him, saying, we heard them say, I will destroy this temple. It is made with hands, and within three days I will build another made without hands. But neither so did the witness agree together. So there's, there's quite an emphasis in the Bible on they did not find witnesses. And the witnesses they found did not agree. And also Pilate himself, he knew that the chief priest had delivered him for envy, and they cried out again, crucify him. Then Pilate said unto them, why? What evil has he done? And they cried out the more, exceedingly crucify him. But Pilate couldn't find anything. If he could find something, he could, they would be pleased. Then said Pilate to the chief priest and to the people, I find no fault in this man. It was a public statement that was necessary. No fault in this man. He said unto them, Ye have brought this man unto me as one that perverted the people. And behold, I have examined him before you, having found no fault in this man, touching those things whereof ye accuse him. So they tried hard the Jewish people, and also Pilate. But it was publicly stated by an official judge on earth 
that they could not find a single sin. And if the Lord Jesus would have sinned, if they would have found something, a lie or a white lie or something against the Sabbath, they would have used it, but they couldn't find anything. And therefore we read also in the John 19, verse 4, it is also on the next page in the margin, Pilate therefore went forth again and said unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. So this is not in one place, not in several places. No fault, no fault, no fault, no witnesses. They didn't agree. So that's why he was innocently condemned to death by a temple judge. He knew no sin. He was made to be sin. He is that immaculate Lord Jesus who did not have any experience with sin. And even Judas testified that. Judas. Yeah. Judas testified it. He said, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See down to that. And he hanged himself. But he, he knew, Judas knew. That's why he was so desperate, that he had no sin. It was innocent. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but rather that a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. It is a just person. He respects him as a just person. Is this all so important? Yes. Because he cannot take our place if he is a sinner. So he is innocent for people that are not innocent. And he was condemned by a temple judge, but in such a way that it was clear that he had not sinned. That he therefore may free us from the severe judgment of God to which we were exposed. He says were exposed. It's about God's people, right? They were exposed before their conversion. They were exposed to the wrath of God. The children of wrath. In the time of their renewal, of their birth, spiritual birth, they became God's people. And they're not exposed to the wrath of God anymore. So that means that also tonight, some are exposed to the wrath of God yet. And others not. If it is a hot day in the summer, and you work on the land, you need sunscreen, don't you? Or you will just burn and hurt yourself. So you don't want to be exposed to all the rays of the sun. So you protect yourself. 
But to be exposed to the wrath of God is something else. We need that screen. We need that sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Otherwise, we are burning and dying and condemned. So before you leave this building, make up your mind. If you are still exposed to the wrath of God or not anymore. There is now no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus who don't live after the flesh but after the spirit. And even if you don't feel it, it is a fact. You need to hurry to be rescued so that your death will be entering into the Heavenly place. Let's go to the last thought. The crucifixion after his suffering. Question 39. Is there anything more in his being crucified than if he had died some other death? Could he have drowned or just beheaded or whatever? Was it also possible? Would it also have sufficed? No. It had to be this long, cruel, cursed death. You know, we know that in Muslim countries, they behead people, right, with sword. Whatever you think about that, of course, I'm not supporting that. Whatever you think about it, it is a sure death. You're not, not conscious of what, what's happening. Before, yes, but the, the action itself is over. But Christ died such a slow death, such a mean death, such a gruesome death. It had to go slow, not too much blood loss yet. So they, they took the time to crucify people. It was a curse death. Because Christ was willing to pay the entire price. And God was not just disappointed, was not just a little disappointed, but the Lord Jesus, God was offended. And sin is so insulting and offensive that nothing else would suffice but the curse of God. So the wrath of God was on him. Is there anything more in his, in his being crucified than if he had died some other death? Yes, there is. For thereby I am assured a personal, the child of God answering again. I am assured that he took on him the curse which lay upon me. The curse was laying on me. Not anymore. I am not assured. I may know it. I may have that comfort. I may have that joy. I may have that freedom. I may have that liberty to say, not anymore. I am freed from my sins. I am forgiven. 
that curse due to sin has been taken away. I'm assured that he took on him the curse which lay upon me past time, for the death of the cross was the curse of God. See? Think it through for yourself. How they would feel to feel the wrath of God burning harder than the sun of your soul. Are you experiencing the distance? And then the Lord Jesus taking that curse away for you. And then that feeling of relief, of forgiveness, of happiness. That there, there are no words to describe that. So can you handle that, that you're under the curse? Yes. I beseech you by the, I beseech you, be reconciled to God. Christ tasted death. He tasted it to give others life. He was willing to have excruciating pain. Do you hear that? Excruciating? You see the word cross in there? It's on purpose. Excruciating pain to grant healing. He was willing to be forsaken to bring close to God. So there is salvation through him. Suffering. This world is suffering. This world is in travail. The baby is born. So those pangs of pain indicate it's coming. The time is coming that the baby will be born, and then the pain will be over. And so the pain in this life is all the suffering he belongs. But that's an indication of it will be over soon. And God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things that have passed away. Will there be? Well, that is the future for God's people. He, they are groaning. He, they also have suffering. But soon they'll be over. And then God will be all in all. The congregation, we talk about suffering. The depth of suffering. And the value of suffering. And the purpose of suffering. And the innocence of him suffering. And the crucifixion of his suffering. What about you? Are you still exposed to the wrath of God or seek to be seek to rescue, to be rescued, to be delivered from the wrath of God? All things are in him. And don't forget the words of this morning, all things, right? All things. All things work together for good. For Christ, all things work together for bad. For his suffering and death. So that all things are possible in saving people from their sins. Don't be discouraged. Remind the Lord of it tonight. Say, I've heard all things are possible with thee. Amen.